Heavenly Father, this morning, I just pray, Lord, as the Scriptures are read and taught, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd shape our lives. Shape our lives. Make us more like Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that it would be blessing uh, to Dave as he teaches us this morning, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, mate. Well, good morning. On this Palm Sunday, it's interesting that we refer to this Sunday before Easter as Palm Sunday, and uh, the whole church of uh, Jesus Christ around the globe would be uh, remembering Palm Sunday today. And uh, it's, it's, it's easy sometimes when we have these times of remembering that we, we focus on a part of the story, but we might miss the, the whole core of the story. And as I was reading the word, and um, Kirk saved some time by reading uh, the scriptures this morning. I was going to read it, but we've read it once, so we might, we'll still be picking pieces out of that. But, but in my um, old NIV study Bible, the one that the print keeps shrinking on, and I have to get glasses to read it, um, in Mark, Mark's gospel, um, we, on, on the page of Mark 11, it lists underneath here for me in my Bible, Passion Week. And it lists out the things that happened on each day of this week preceding uh, the, the Friday when Jesus was crucified. But I think the thing that I really um, saw this year for the first time, and, and I love every season of remembering because God just keeps, you know, opening another little window in the more of him, and the thing that I saw this time as I read it, where we talk about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, here we see another Jesus. Up until this time, Jesus has been hiding himself almost from being, I am here and this is who I am. But as he comes into Jerusalem on the cult of a donkey, and that's interesting because the cult has never been ridden on before, and so here we have a, a, a purpose prepared cult. Jesus is on this cult and he's riding into Jerusalem as a king of peace. He comes in peace into Jerusalem and yet he comes with authority. And the authority that Jesus comes into Jerusalem carrying is to be the change time for the revelation that the Son of Man and the Son of God has arrived on the scene in Jerusalem. And he shook the world. This triumphant Jesus who came in peace, yet with strength and purpose as he revealed who he was to the leaders and to all those that were there. And, and as we sang Hosanna this morning, I, I felt connected to those people that were standing there waving the branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. I was, I was connected. We were connected. We're connecting to history, to a real event. It's not just some story that's been made up for entertainment. This is history recorded for us to read and see. If you read the three, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, we have slightly different variations, but they all record this event of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. In one of them, in Luke, we read where Jesus 
stops between Bethany and, and going up into the city of Jerusalem across the Valley Kidron, he stops and he weeps. He weeps for Jerusalem because even though he's coming to set them free, to offer freedom and life, he knows they're going to not get it. And he weeps for what could be for them. And again, I connect with that as I look at what we see around us where Jesus comes and offers life and freedom and yet people don't grasp that. Sometimes we're... We see the word of God is presented in such a way that people look for what it's going to do for them. Nothing wrong with that because it's coming to get us freedom. But we interpret it in, well, that means it's got to look like this for me. And let me assure you that whatever picture you have, it's not like that. (laughs) I have not yet met a Christian of years of journey who could say to me honestly that what's happened to them is what they thought would have happened to them when they accepted Jesus first. What they can testify to is that through that journey, God has been faithful, I haven't. And that, I think, is a testimony that would be shared by many. But in this coming into Jerusalem, Jesus came as the king, as the peace king, the one to bring life in a way that only the father and he could see at that point. And they had a much more significant freedom event planned than the one the people were calling out Hosanna. They were saying, God save us, we want to be out from under the oppressors, out from under the Romans, let us have, let us have a, a great life here. That was what the people were crying out for. And they believed that's what Jesus was coming to bring them. Their teaching was that there would be this rescuing Messiah who would come and would rescue them from the oppressors and put them back as the ones above all other people. The Jews knew who they were, who they were meant to be, and they saw the Messiah's plan would be to come and put them back into that place of authority and, 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 and be out from under the heel of the oppressor. But the the true heel of the oppressor wasn't the Romans. The true heel of the oppressor is in the heavens called Satan and his minions. And that was the battle that Jesus was coming to deal with in Jerusalem when he came. The people were saying, set us free from Rome. Jesus is saying, I'm coming to set you really be free from the oppressor and all that he has over your life here and forever. And so he had to come with knowing this and... uh, He was hailed by the people as he entered into Jerusalem, as we hail his victories for us. I'm going to jump to the end of my notes and then come back. God said to me as I was preparing these notes, beware the flip-flop. Beware the flip-flop. What we see are these people going, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you're it for us. And then a week later they're saying, crucify him. That's a big flip-flop. That's going from recognising him as the one who can save to saying, let's get rid of him and find another solution because it's not going to work this way. Beware the flip-flop. We'll come back to that. When we read Luke's account with a weeping, the others we just, we, we read where Jesus comes in and And in this week, from the the time of his arrival, the word tells us that he goes to the temple. 
He comes in on the donkey, on the foal of a donkey, and goes to the temple. And all the people are, are surging with him. And then he, in, in one of the, two of the Gospels, he reviews that and then he goes back to Bethany and the next day comes back and cleanses the temple. In one of them it just says he goes there and cleanses the temple. The timing is not that important, but I think it was probably that he went back the next day and began this series of teaching and establishing that he was who he says he was. If you look at and, and read your scriptures, and I invite you this week, I invite you, I believe it's an invitation from the Father through Jesus to each of us, I invite you to read the stories that, and, and, the, and, and what Jesus said in this week where he, he spoke in parables and then he spoke with clarity and he challenged the leaders and they, they challenged him but he didn't back off. This is, this is the, the, the time where Jesus said, I'm going to leave you in no doubt as to who I am. So there was really no excuse at the end of the week they knew who they were taking on. The leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the elders, the people that were in charge, the religious leaders, all of them, they knew who Jesus was. They just didn't want to acknowledge it. They didn't want to lose their power. And they had to convince the people that they needed to get rid of Jesus. It was an uprising that they were stirring but we also need to be aware without being too critical of those people there's a power above them the darkness satan he was the one that was pulling the strings so you know i used to get very angry at all of these people that were again jesus but i realized one day as i was it was revealed to me by the Lord that it wasn't those people, it was the power that was at work above them. And that power is still at work. That power is still at work. Jesus came to restore God's original peace plan for life. He came as the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace. And the, the plan that God has for your life and my life is a peace plan. But it's an inner peace. We don't, we don't live in this space where everything around us is wonderful and it's going to give us peace. We live, in the, we live in this swirl and turmoil. It's constant. And it's not going to change until Jesus comes again. So if someone tells you, look, it's all going to be great and, and you, can, you can push through and it'll be fine... It's not going to happen like that. We can, however, and we do have authority to stand against the work of the enemy. This peace plan for life was better than the people expected because it was a peace plan for all of us to have on the inside regardless of outside circumstances. The people of Jerusalem didn't embrace this. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it, and guess what? Many today don't get it either. We sometimes figure that God has abandoned us when what we've asked for doesn't happen. A few weeks ago I got to share with you and I felt like the Lord said he gave us a word which was, um, anyone remember it? 
always excites you when you've taught something and people can't remember it. But it had something to do with agendas, do you remember? Surrender your agenda, that's it. Surrender your agenda. God was inviting us to surrender our agenda to his. Jesus surrendered any agenda he might have had to the Father because he said, Father, is there a way we can have this not happen at the end of the week? And, and it was obvious the Father said, we've talked about this. This is my conversation I think Jesus and the Father were having. And we've looked at how we can do this and this is the only way we can do this. You're going to have to go through the cross. You're going to have to have your physical body be stopped working. You're going to be buried. You're going to go into the depths and you're going to speak to those that have, been, have gone before and you're going to come back and you're going to come to life again and that's going to be where we, f we really deal with the works of the darkness forever. That's the agenda. And Jesus said, okay. He said, okay. But what an incredible conversation the father and the son would have had there in the Garden of Gethsemane that night. Just reflect on it when you're reading your scriptures this week and coming up to coming up to Good Friday. Here is Jesus, the Prince of Peace, come to bring life in all its fullness and the only way that was going to happen was for him to go through death for us. <clears throat> the resurrection was where the enemy was finally defeated. The power over death was taken away. But the crucifixion was for us, absolutely for us, because he took our place. He took our place so that we might find peace. Peace with God comes from knowing that we're okay with God. No other way. And the only way we know we're okay with God is when we embrace what Jesus has done for us because we can't be good with God any other way. But it's there waiting for us because the Prince of Peace has done what he's done for us. We need to not forget that. <clears throat> but Jesus and the Father, they, he, they know, they know our, our fickle nature. <clears throat> and that's why the Lord said to me, beware of the flip-flop. We're not those who flip-flop depending on what happens around us. We try to stand against it, but the darkness is where the flip-flop is born. You see, the enemy hasn't ever stopped wanting to pick on those that are part of God's family. And so he continues to bring swirling activity around us. And a natural human reaction is like the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We, we go, this isn't working for me. I want to find another way. And if we look at the world today, the government and the power players of the world, we change them all. We don't change the agenda. I'm sorry if you think you can change the world by changing the people that run the world. That's not going to happen. I used to think it could. I used to think, well, if we can only stop that one or change that government or stand against that power of, of people getting together to want to change the whole world. We're not going to do that, friends. Because the word, the Bible tells me we, we won't. It's going to continue to be a mess around us. So I'm not going to stand here today and say that because Jesus came into Jerusalem, we are going to see around us peace. In fact, he said we won't. He goes on and says there's going to be 
there's going to be wars and there's going to be rumours of wars and there's going to be all these things go wrong. There's going to be earthquakes. So Christian brothers and sisters, the news is the world is a mess and it's going to stay a mess until Jesus comes back. However, there's another bit of good news in here and that is that Jesus has overcome the world and we connect with Jesus as those who have said yes to Jesus. I accept what you've done for me, Jesus, on the cross. And this isn't just some, yeah, that was great. Here, I, when I went to Jerusalem, I wanted to know I walked where Jesus walked. I wanted to put my feet where I knew the, the Son of Man had walked. I wanted to connect to this word and know that I was connecting with reality and with history. It's not just an out there story. It's like when we sang Hosanna, I was connecting with the history of the people that cried out Hosanna this morning. It was special. So in, in Jerusalem, I was able to walk the original temple is underneath a lot of other buildings and the, and the Temple Mount now. But there's excavations take you to an area about, I don't know, three, four metres wide by uh, maybe three quarters of a metre that way. And that was the entrance to the temple. And I stood there and I said, this is where you stood, Jesus. I know he went through that entrance to the temple. He walked in a lot of other places and I probably might have put my feet there, but I knew he stood there. And something happened inside my heart at that moment because I connected with where Jesus as the man and the son of God had had his feet in this planet Earth. It's a real story. It's history. It's not made up. It's not, well, you know, it doesn't matter. He's the creator of the universe. Nothing that has been made has, has been made without his hand upon it. We're invited into communion with him. We shared it this morning. He said, remember, you know, it's so easy. We're so fickle, we forget. Even the things we remember, we remember upside down sometimes. You ask a family what happened there and you'll get three different stories and they're all at the same place at the same time. I love it when we do that as family. That didn't happen. Yes, it did. No, that happened. No, it didn't. That happened. And we're all there. We remember differently. It's really, really important that we remember what happened and connect with it. It's our story because it's Jesus' story and we're connected to him. Are you hearing me? It's really important. It's not a, it's an out there thing that we can choose to connect with occasionally, like get on the internet and connect up to that website and then hop off. He is the story. He is the one who brought life to you and me in the way that it's intended to be. We, we simply have to say yes. But we do need to say yes. We can't say, oh, yeah, uh, it suits me this week lord but yeah i'm a bit busy next weekend i'm i gotta go and have a week off thank you lord that you don't have a week off i'm not picking on you because you have a holiday but when you have a holiday don't sign off from jesus when you're having a holiday stay connected to him and his heart yesterday morning as i was driving down here for prayer i said father what's on your heart he said david my heart aches I miss the ones that aren't there. Oh, wow. The Father misses us when we're not together. 
This isn't a guilt trip. I'm telling you what's on the Father's heart, okay? It wouldn't be right of me to hold it back. But when you're not here, the Father misses you because this is where he sees us as family together. If you're not here, stay connected wherever you are to the Father's heart through Jesus. Why? Because that's where life is. Jesus came, entered into Jerusalem and established his credentials and said, this is who I am. They then took him and crucified him. The power behind that was the powers of darkness. They wanted to see Jesus dealt with, thinking they were going to win. But what happened was the resurrection came. We'll get all of this next week. But I'm just giving you a, an umbrella start to it. And in that resurrection was the defeat of the powers of death, which was the main cudgel that the enemy continues to have over, over human life. Jesus knew the flip-flop was coming. He said to the disciples, you're all going to abandon me this week. No way, we won't do that. I'm not going to abandon you, Jesus, Peter said. No way. He said, you'll all, you'll all abandon me. Right now, all these people and you disciples are all going, yay. But by the end of the week, I know it's going to be different. I love how Jesus knew what was going to happen. You know, if you ever doubted the, 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 the Son of God part of who Jesus was and how he listened to the Holy Spirit as well, you know, he said, when you go into the city, find a man who's carrying water. Now, that's unusual because it was the women that carried the water. So there was a man carrying water. So he would stand out. Jesus said, go to him, follow him, and he'll take you to a house. And when he gets there, you go to the house and say, where's the room that's been prepared? And he'll show you an upstairs room. Jesus said all of this before that happened. He hadn't been and tapped on this guy's shoulder and said, my guys are going to come and ask. So there's a, there's a showing of his sovereignty in the story. That, that's the same with go and find the fold. There's going to be one there. Jesus knew what was there and he walked towards it. So this Jesus that I'm talking to you about today is the one who created all the things that we can see and know. He knew about iPhones before iPhones knew about iPhones. He did. He just showed us how to do it. And so we go, oh, look, look at what we've invented. Isn't this wonderful? It, was, it came out of the heart and mind of God in time and in season. There is nothing on this earth then or now that hasn't been created in and through Jesus, either by his direct hands-on or through people that he reveals to how to do. It's just, it's impossible it's impossible to disconnect my Jesus from what's going on in the world today because he sits seated on the throne with the Father right now and he's, he's watching what we're doing and he's saying, come on, here's, this is where to aim, this is what to do, this is where to go. <clears throat> he's speaking to you and I. And he said, and he says to us today, Full authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
And he said to his disciples, and he said through his disciples to us, now I want you to go into the world and make disciples. And he commissioned us to do the ongoing work that was in his heart to do. And this Jesus who came and said, I know you're going to flip-flop, but I'm still with you in the flip-flop. Peter, the one who said, I will never, ever deny you. Jesus said, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And we read the word and we think, well, Peter, you're a bit, bit weak. You know, there you were, puffed out your chest and you said, I'll never deny you, Lord. And because some girl comes up to you in the, gar- in the, the courtyard and says, weren't you with him? No way, I wasn't with him. And then again, and the third time he said, and one of the, one of the versions says he, he, he cursed and said, no way, it wasn't me. And then he heard the rooster crow twice. And one of the, one of the gospels says, and he and looked up and Jesus was looking at him. Jesus knew what was going to happen. But he didn't, he didn't leave Peter dangling. After the resurrection, it was, he called Peter out. Remember when they were fishing and he said to him, Peter, do you love me more than these? And three times he got Peter to say, I oh, know, I love you, Lord. I just love how God just sort of balanced the books there on the three of the three. So here's, here's this Jesus, triumphant, crucified. This Jesus who is saying to us, beware of the flip-flop. Beware of the flip-flop. You might say, not me. I'm not going to be a flip-flopper. But let me tell you, the enemy is constantly looking at ways to rob you of your peace plan with God. And so distress, so as in so into, so distress and control around you and over you. He does. He's doing it. Don't think you're immune. You're not. The enemy is after you. Did you know that? He's after you. But the good news is that Jesus has handed you the authority to tell him to rack off. But we have to say it. We have to take the authority that Jesus has given us to tell the enemy to leave us alone. And it's not Sunday mornings that he comes and picks on us when we decide we want to maybe sleep in rather than come to church. That's not the big deal. The big deal is when you're on your way to work and somebody cuts you off and you get cranky and you go off and you lose your peace. That's the enemy having a crack. There you go. I'm glad it doesn't happen to you, Brad. <laughs> there, is this, uh, there is this targeted attack upon each one of us and there is authority and victory that we can stand in and proclaim. Does it mean the world is going to be calm around us? Absolutely not. But can we see the hand of God at work? Absolutely yes. And we see it in our own self as we, as we stand in the peace of God. The enemy's work is deliberate and it is constant and it is targeted. But we don't need to live as victims. We don't need to live in the tricked flip-flop state. 
we remember that Jesus rebuked Satan from Peter and said, I've prayed for you, Peter. Satan's asked to sift you, but I've prayed that you'll come back and be okay. So we're to hang on to who we are in Christ and have his peace and victory that only he can offer. And that's how we connect back into Palm Sunday. We connect with what Jesus brought, not what the people thought he brought. We connect with what he brought, which is victory over the darkness. And all of us, I believe, on Palm Sunday can be confident that we live in the victorious army of the disciples of Jesus Christ. We sang it this morning. There's an invitation this morning by the Father for us not to feel guilt because we've been flip-floppers, but to feel freedom because God wants to rescue us from depending on peace around us to depending on peace within us, which comes from the Father. Does that make sense? You know, people think I talk about spiritual warfare too much. Well, I don't because it's constant. It is constant. The older I get, the more sure I am about that. It is constant. But also, I'm constantly reminded that the victory is mine in Jesus Christ. And his, his, it's the same for you and for me. So this morning, as we identify with the victory of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to be real before the Father and Jesus and say, Lord, I am sorry for being a flip-flopper, where that may apply. But also, be aware, be aware. I, I'm, I'm going to pray that, we, that our antenna is tuned to seeing where the enemy's swirl is targeting us. Because he is, all of us, differently, the same. So I'm praying that you'll see it. But as you see it, be bold to say, stop it. Stop it. We have that authority, brothers and sisters. And, and God is yearning for us to use it so that more and more people will find peace true peace that Jesus brought into Jerusalem with him that day. And the outcome that he brought is the outcome that brings life to us. Let's stand and we'll pray. Father, first of all, I just want to thank you for your grace. Lord, your grace and your love. Your love which is beyond our understanding. Lord, a love and a grace that covers our flip-flops. Lord, we, we try so hard at times to not flip-flop and yet the enemy seems to get in under our skin and, and bring distress into our lives and fear and anxiety and all forms of responses that aren't out of your heart. 
Father, I just want to stop and say thank you today for Jesus. And Jesus, I want to say thank you for how you came as the Prince of Peace and you've continued to be the one who brings peace. And Lord, you defeated the power of the enemy and you've handed us your authority to live in that place of victory and peace. Lord, forgive us, Jesus, for trying to manage it on our own. You told us, Lord, in the teaching in that week to be alert, to be awake to the enemy's plans. Lord, we see all the other things, but sometimes we miss that. I ask that today, Lord, you would just deposit deep into our understanding an assurance of your victory for each one of us, but also, Lord, an alert in each of us to be aware of what the enemy is doing to eat away at the confidence and the trust that we have in you. He hasn't changed his plans since the garden where he said to Adam and Eve, did God really say? And Father, he still does it today and, and, and we get tricked and trapped. Forgive us for that. But help us, Lord, to walk boldly from here today knowing, A, that you love us, B, that you've rescued us into a victorious family and C, Lord, that you want us to declare that victory for all around us and ourselves as we walk out confident of your great love for us. Lord, bless us as we seek to be faithful to what you called us to, Jesus, to love the Father and to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.